Gretov. Today's stuff is 34. Um, um, at 30 to the 4th of July. And we pick up with, um, uh, where are we? Um, oh yes, we are a bit behind. Um, so we're in the top of Lamed Gimel Lamed Bed and we're dealing with the debate of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael, whereas according to Rabbi Akiva, if you're uh, uh, Tom Gores, then the Nizak, the one who was damaged, um, immediately becomes part owner in it, whereas according to Rabbi Ishmael, no, you just, he's just owed money, but he can collect from the ox. The amount of the debt is limited to the value of the ox, and he can collect from the ox. The Gemara calls it like an apotiki, so he has a very strong lien on the ox, but fundamentally he's just owned money. Okay, so now the Gemara picks up on the top of Ram Gimel Amad Bet. Tani Rav Tachlifa Bar Marava. Lines of Suhid Bar Marava, it's about ten lines down. Kamid Rabbi Yavo. Rav Tachlifa Marava taught in front of Rabbi Yavo. Macho ein machor, hekdesho muktash. If you sell it, it's not sold, the ox. But if you sanctify it, it's sanctified. So the, key, the first question is, who are we talking about? The mazik or the nizak? And then also, why the inconsistency? So the Gemara says, Machroman, who's selling it? Ilema mazik, the mazik is selling it, the original owner of the ox. So machrein machor, so if you can't sell your ox, mani rebi akivahi, that would follow rebi akiva. The amachuchlava sure, that the ox goes directly over to the nizak. So it's no longer yours, the original owners. But then why would you why would you be able to sanctify it? Also the Rebbe Ishmael. That fits with Rebbe Ishmael's position. That it's just its value is assessed, but basically the guy just has a lien on it. So if you can if you can't sell it, why can you sanctify it? Ella Nizak. Okay, so now we're talking about the oh, original owner, the Mazikai about the Nizak. you can't sell it. Mani Rebbe Ishmael. Okay, that's Rebbe Ishmael that says that the Nizak doesn't own the ox. So then we're gonna have the problem in the reverse. Hektesho muktash, so why can he sanctify it? Asan Rebbe Akiva, that's going to Rebbe Akiva. So like, either way, it, half of it works according to one, half the other. So the Ummah says, Ola Mazik, we're talking about the Mazik, who's selling and sanctifying. And it works according to both positions. That's going to be interesting, how will that work? So, Machor ein Machor, Machor ein Machor, oh, he's probably, hold on. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm guessing he's locked out. Uh, you want to? All right, thanks. Okay, so, um, okay, so, Machorein um, Machor, Mani Rebbe Shmel, I'm sorry, so, where are we? Now I shall fall my place. Um... Why isn't it sold if the Mazik is selling it, the original owner? Even according to Rabbi Shmuel that says that it. I'm a fellow Rabbi Shmuel. Even according to Rabbi Shmuel that the Mazik still owns his ox. Why isn't it sold? Because the Nizak has a lien on it. So it doesn't mean it's not sold at all. It means, like we said yesterday, the original owner can sell it, but then the Nizak, it won't be a permanent sale, because the Nizak has a lien, and the Nizak will go and collect it. So Machar does not mean Machar at all. It means not Machar in a way to take it out of the, to take it away from the Nizak, because the Nizak still has a lien on it, and he can go and collect it. But Hektesha Muktash, okay, but it would work to be Maktashit. Now you could have just stopped there and said that's Rebbe Shmuel, Hektesha Muktash. Okay, we're talking about 
the original owner, if he sells it, it's not a full sale. But if he's marked this shit, that's the end of the story. But the Gemara is going to say, no, that he actually works even according to Rabbi Akiva, that the original owner could be marked this shit. How could the original owner be marked this shit according to Rabbi Akiva if the Nizak owns it? Because of the teaching of Rabbi Yavo, Rabbi Yavo says that basically, if you have a lien on somebody's property and they sanctify it, okay, according to the Ikar Halacha, you might be able to actually just take it out of Hekdesh, you know, you have your lien, be sanctifying it to better Kabayas as opposed to sanctifying it as a Korban. Sanctifying it to better Kabayas does not undermine the creditor's liens on your property. Mm-hmm. So, now it's owned by the base of Mikdash, but maybe that's no different than if the original owner sold it, sold it to a third party, where the creditors can now come and take it away. So, better Kabayas is a Kedusha that is rooted in the, ba- in the base of Mikdash's ownership. So, when you sanctify it to better Kabayas, it's like you basically sold it to a third party. The creditors come, they take it away, they're now the owners of it, and the Kedusha goes off, because they're now just exercising the liens. And it certainly works if you see and there's a whole debate about when somebody exercises their liens, it might be Lemafreya who go that. It might be that retroactively they actually become, you know, it's like they always had possession of it. Okay, so even though, hey guys, you people, you forgot the code? The code didn't work? It didn't work for me. Wow. All right. Sorry. That's a man. All right. Okay. Um... Okay, so, um, thank you, thank you. Okay, so where are we? So, okay, so, even if, even if you, um, ask somebody else. Even, even, even if you're selling, even if, so we're basically we're dealing with the debate of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael about whether the Nizak has a lien on the ox or owns the ox. And what the Gemara is saying is that if he has, uh, if the original Mazik sells it, then the sale would obviously not be good according to Rabbi Akiva that the Nizak owns it. But even according to Rabbi Ishmael that the Nizak has a lien, the sale would not be permanent because the Nizak can go and exercise his lien and go ahead and collect it. That's number one. Now, how about if the original owner sanctifies it? So according to Rabbi Akiva, that obviously would not work because the Nizak owns it. But even according to Rabbi Shmuel, that the Hektesh does work, okay, the, um, the Nizak can go and exercise his lien and take this out of Hektesh. And, um, but nevertheless, even though he's allowed to take it out of Hektesh, um, he has to give some type of a small amount to Hektesh as a type of an act of pidyon, of redeeming the Hektesh, so it should not let work that you can just take something away from Hektesh and make the Kedusha go off. Here that actually might work because if he actually has an original lien then he's able to exercise that lien and ultimately that trumps the act of it having been of this person having been Maktishit but nevertheless since for the interim it was in the possession of Hektesh he actually goes ahead and gives some type of a money to do an act of redemption. So again despite the talk that if the Mazik sells it it's no good why is that? According to Rabbi Akiva because the Nizak already owns the ox. According to Rabbi Shemar, it really is a good sale but it's not a permanent sale because the Nizak can exercise his liens if he's Maktishit it says it is Kadosh Why? Is, uh, excuse me if he's Maktishit yes it says that it is that it uh, it is Kadosh so according to Rabbi Yishmael we understand wait a minute did I say that right? Hikdesho um, 
If he's marked this shit, right, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, if, he, if he's marked this shit, it, it, it is Kadosh. According to Rabbi Yishmael, because the, the uh, original owner actually owns it still, the Mazik actually owns it, and according to Rabbi Akiva, even though the Nizak owns it, okay, nevertheless, because it was, did this act of Hektesh, and it looks like it belongs to Hektesh, even now that it really was always the, 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 the Nizak's ox, we would treat it as if it was Kadosh, and he'd have to do this type of a pidyon. Okay, so Hektesha Mukdash, um, basically, according to Rabbi Ishmael, the Nizak can exercise his lean and retrieve it, but he has to do an act of pidyon because it genuinely belonged to Hektesh in the interim, and even if his lean trumps, he has to do an act of pidyon so it looks like it just does, the Hektesh doesn't go away automatically. And certainly, according to Rabbi Akiva, he real, you know, where it, where, where it always belonged to the Nizak, the Hektish really didn't work at all and the Nizak really is completely entitled to just take his ox nevertheless he does this active pidyon so it doesn't look like you're taking something away from Hektish without an active pidyon yes Charles you're are, we going to cover, are we going to cover this case uh, where he concentrates his Corbin? No, um, not here. I mean, I don't know if we're going to have it later. But if you mock this as a korban, then it changes it. Okay, Tanur Abbanan. Okay, we're starting at the two dots on Lamed Gimel Lamed Vat. Fuzoja just came in. In a way, we're going to sort of review everything we just said. Short time to Hizik. A... <coughs> I a uh, tame ox that damaged. Before you had the court case, if you sold it, it's a good sale. If you sanctified it, it's good. It's good hektesh. If you shechted it and gave it as a gift, presumably he's all talking about the mazik. The gemara is going to unpack all unpack all of this. Then it's 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 done. Presumably the nizak is out his ox. However, once there was a court case, so presumably at that time there was a court case and now it's been given over to the Nisak so the sale isn't good sanctifying it isn't good presumably talking about the Mazik doing all of this now let's say the creditors came creditors of the Mazik came to collect the ox okay whether the damage occurred whether the, whether the, per the Mazik borrowed the money before the ox did damage so the creditors had a lien on him before the Nisak had a lien on him whether the met Nezek happened first. So whoever has the prior, regardless of who has the prior lien, if the creditors took the ox, it doesn't work. Because the Nezek can only collect from the body of it. Okay, so that was a very, very packed. The Gemara is going to unpack all of that. Okay, now. Muad, however, if an animal is not a tam, but habitual, shahizik and damaged, whether before or after the court case, right, you don't pay from the body of the animal, you just owe money. So in that case, the Nizak has no rights to the animal itself. So machur, machur, hektesha, muktash, the original owner can sell it, can sanctify it. He can give it away, he can shecht it. Okay, or if creditors came and they collected the ox regardless of whether the debt came first or whether the damage came first they can keep the ox that they took because you only pay from cash you don't pay from the body of the ox so in the case where it's a muad obviously the original owner can do what he wants with the ox 
the Nizak has no rights to the ox and so on. The issue is when it's a Tom, and there a lot of the difference of when does the control transfer matters in the case of Ahmad Bedin. Now I want to just pause a moment and make a point that Tosos makes, but that gets debated a lot in the um, Achronim, in the Rishonim, which is, even according to Rabbi Akiva that says, and it's clear from our Gemara, that Gemara understands that according to Rabbi Akiva of Huchlat Hashur, that the Nizak becomes an automatic owner, that that happens automatically. That is a little bit ironic because the, um, the normal halacha by knas, right, if we paskin that half nezek, kati nezek knas, which is what we paskin, normally knas does not become a reality until you're hamad abedin. Meaning, if I borrow money from you or I break your, you know, car, whatever it is, there's a reality that I owe you money whether or not you've taken me to court yet. Okay? The very fact that I borrowed money or that I did a damage creates this idea of reality. The court clarifies the fact that I owed you money, enforces it, but that's a reality that exists without the court, you know, whether the court does it or not. Um, now, however, um, if I actually did something that I now owe you a knas, let's say, I don't know, my ox scored your slave and now I have to pay you 30 kesef. Until there's an Ahmad Abedin, I don't owe you a penny. Okay? Because it's not like a objective reality, or let's take a better example where it's clear that it's, you see it as a fine and as a punishment. I do a gneva from you. I burgle some uh, property from you. So the, there's an objective reality before the court case, which is before there is a court case, which is, is that I owe you the principal. But the double payment, that's only a fine imposed by the court. Before there is that court case, I don't owe you that money. Okay, the court doesn't just clarify and identify it, it creates the debt, it imposes the debt. So therefore, even once we talk in Chatzinezek as Knas, even according to Rebbe Akiva, you might say, with, before a court case, how could you become an immediate part owner in my ox? The court has to impose that debt. Okay, and nevertheless, the Gemara understands, and Tosos asks why this is true, but the Gemara understands that, no, according to Rabbi, Yishmael, Rabbi Akiva, it happens automatically. Maybe because they learn it from the Pasuk, right? It sounds like that's an automatic reality. So even though it's a knot, you become a part owner automatically. So this Brita that we just taught, that we're now about to unpack, that speaks about a shift between before and after there's a court case, after there's a court case, you get more rights to my ox before hands you don't, you could have said that's even true according to Rabbi Akiva, because that's a reality about Knas, but that's not the way the Gemara is going to focus. The Gemara is going to assume that according to Rabbi Akiva, even without the court case, you own it automatically. So let's take a look at what the Gemara does with this. Okay? Amama, let's go back and unpack what we just taught. Machur, machur. Machur, machur. So if you sell it, it's still sold. Okay, this is before there's a court case. So we're going to read this according to Rabbi Yishmael, because it's quite clear that it's working within Rabbi Yishmael that sees that the original owner first has a lot of rights in his uh, cow before, in his ox, before the court case. Uh-huh. It's a tom. Okay, so if, if the original owner sold it, the mazik, it works. Levadia. That means that the person who bought it can use it for plowing until the nizak exercises his lien. The nizak can eventually exercise his lien. So it's not totally out of the control of the nizak, but it's out of the control of the nizak until, and the purchaser has a right to use it until the nizak exercises his lien. Hekdesh muktash. If he sanctifies it, it works. Mishum now that also doesn't mean permanent okay that means that because ultimately the Nizak can exercise his lien the same way he can take it out of the hands of the third party he can take it out of the hands of Hakdesh so he really doesn't even have to do any act of Pidyon he can exercise his lien and get it away from Hakdesh but nevertheless 
because of Rabbi Avo, he has to give Hektesh some nominal amount so it doesn't look like something is losing its Kedusha, you know, automatic, like, you know, without a proper process. Okay? If he shechted it and gave it away, it's done. Again, the simple read of this Brita, the Gemara is significantly limiting, right, the, the simple read of this Brita. The simple read of this Brita is, according to Rabbi Yishmael, you really can completely get the ox away from the Nizak, right? If you gave it away to a different party, you did something to it, the Nizak is out. That's the simple read of the Brita. The Gemara is pulling back and saying, no. Even according to Rabbi Yishmael, the Nizak has a strong lean, and he can retrieve it from parties it was sold to. So what does it mean once it's shechted and given away, it's done? So let's say, or given away, when you say it was given as a gift, it was done, it doesn't mean done permanently. It means done l'radia, that the third party can now use it to plow until the Nizak exercises his liens. But what do you mean if it's shechted, it's the end of the story, the Nizak is out. Let the Nizak collect from the meat. So, okay, even if the animal isn't alive, he still can collect from the meat of it. Titania, chai. It says, ainly el chai. It says, right, it says, machuat hashua chai. Sell the living ox. Maybe only if the ox is still living. Shachto minayin. How do you know if he shechted it? The nizak still has rights to the ox. Talmud Lomar, umacharu hashur. Mikomakom. You just stop before you get to the word chai. So anyway, what does it mean if it's shechted, it's over? It doesn't mean that the Niza can no longer collect from the animal once it's shechted. It means that if after the shechting, now the value has gone down and it does not pay the entire damage, then the Nizak is out. Okay? So this, I am, my ox scored yours, I owed $100, the ox was worth $100, you would have become, you had a, a lien on the entire value of my ox. I shechted it, now it's only worth $80. Okay? Sorry, you can collect $80, but you can't collect the full 100 Now, by the way, remember, according to Rabbi Yishmael, actually, I owe you $100. So if you actually can seize other property of mine, or get me to court and get me to pay in cash, you'll get your full $100. But if, let's say, there's no other property property of mine to claim other than this so the actual circumstances in which you lose money are limited because according to Rabbi Shmuel, I do owe you the money it's not that you just have the ox you have a lien on the ox but if that was the only thing you could have collected from now you're out I'm sorry then you only have $80 to collect from okay so Gemara says um, okay, I'm Rabbi Yavo, so now we're going to try to learn from this a general principle. I'm Rabbi Yavo, Braid Rabbi Yoshua, Zosu Maris, this teaches you, Hamazin Shibura Shechavero Pater, that if somebody damages his friend's, uh, um, a lien that somebody else has, you're exempt, meaning, I owe you a hundred dollars. You have a lien on my plot of land. Okay? I'm, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go plow that plot of land over with salt. I'm going to go ahead and destroy that plot of land. It's still mine. It's not yours yet. Okay? You just have a lien on it. Now you're coming to collect. I don't have any cash. All you can do is collect from that plot of land. But because of what I just did to it, you're not going to get your full money back. Now it's only worth $50, not $100. Okay? So do I have to pay you? I indirectly caused you loss. 
But when I damaged it, it was my plot of land. So I was mazik shibura shochavero. I damaged my thing that you had to lean on. Okay, do I now have to reimburse you for that? Okay, now the funny thing is, which I don't really get, is that I don't understand. If I have the money to reimburse you, then why don't you just collect that money in my debt or something? So I'm not exactly getting that because I still owe you the money, right? So, but it's here's this question about what you're collecting from. But anyway, that act of destroying it does not make me incur a direct debt to you. It was only caused an indirect loss to you. So the same thing here. I shechted the cow. Why don't I have to pay you for damaging property that you had to lean on? Okay, so the Gemara says, um, Pita, obviously, that's exactly what we're saying. No. I might have thought, Maybe I would say, no, the reason is a funny Havamina. The reason you don't pay when you shech the cow is you could say, I didn't really damage a thing you had to lean on. I didn't really damage the cow. I just took away some winds from it. You know? <laughs> it's still the same cow. It's just dead. It just doesn't have the spirit of life in it. But I didn't really damage it. But if I plowed, uh, destroyed a plot of land, then maybe I would have to. Then I really destroyed it. Very funny. Why well, I would think that shechting something and turning it from living to dead and worthless is not destroying it, in, you know, damaging it the same way other things. Anyway, fine. So you need to tell me that even if you really damage a plot of land, you're also exempt. The Gemara says, Hanami Rabba Amra. I could have learned it out from what Rabba said. If I burn your your uh, your your debt debt documents, I'm exempt. Okay, so you have a you have a document that says that I owe you a hundred dollars. All right, I go ahead and I'm going to burn the document. Oh, fine, I'll pay you the dollar for the piece of the, for the piece of paper. Okay, <laughs> but the reality is that what I've done is is I've now made it a lot harder for you to collect your debt because you can't prove it right now. Okay, but I didn't actually destroy the property that you own like of $100 I didn't destroy the $100 I just destroyed the evidence of the $100 okay, now this is going to be a Gemara and later on in Baba Kama we're going to get to this discussion it's called Dine de Garmi when you do an act that you cause indirect damage but it is such a clear uh, either 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 it's it's, not, it's, it's it's much more on the side of direct than indirect or the consequence of that act is much more is much sort of clear and immediate that there's going to be times when we don't just treat it as grumma, we treat it as a high degree of fault or causation and you're actually going to pay and that's called Dina de Garmi. But anyway, here we are saying that you're going to be putter. Now that's not exactly the same as Shibudo Shechavero. In one case I damage the property that you have a lien on. Um, in the other case and actually your lien might be seen as a quasi ownership and maybe we would treat it as I actually damage some type of property that you have a partial ownership to. Here I didn't damage the actual debt itself or the lien itself I only damaged the evidence that you had. You're still owed the money. You still have the reality of the liens. You're just now going to have a harder time of proving it in a court case, in a based in. Okay, so the Gemara says, no. So I can't infer from the case of burning the star. I might have said... I just burned a piece of paper. Okay? Oh, uh, you know, the money is still owed you. You still have the lien. You just can't prove it anymore. But if you actually dig ditches in the police's person's, in a pot of land that a person has to lean on, maybe you would be dummy. So that's why we're saying, no, in that case, you're also potter, because shechting the cow is like digging ditches in the plot of land. The 
and it says it's done because even though this person now he has less to collect from you when you destroyed it it was your object so therefore you technically are exempt from payment alright now again the funny thing is that you still owe him the full hundred dollars so even though the dead animal is only worth eighty if you have the twenty dollars to pay him in addition he could still collect it from you know from you in other ways but anyway you don't have a direct a direct liability for mazik for damaging it because it is your object that you shechted. So again, what this Brita says is, before Hamad Abedin, you go ahead and you can do what you want, sell it, sanctify it, it's done. The simple read of that Brita is, according to Rabbi Shmel, the guy's lien is meaningless to prevent you, you know, he can't use it at all. It's like you, you sold it, it's out of his control. So Gemara re-reads it to say that that guy actually has a strong lien, and in most cases he can retrieve it. You sold it, he gets it back. You were mocked, he gets it back. So the Gemara is strengthening the idea of the lean of the Nizak against the simple sense of the Brighter. The simple sense of the Brighter is according to Rabbi Shmel, before Hamad Abedin, you can totally remove it from the control of the Nizak. Okay, but after Hamad Abedin, presumably what happened in Hamad Abedin is that the court actually awarded it to that person, allowed you to, that was when you exercised your control, and then it fully belonged, you exercised your lean, and then that's when it fully belongs to the Nizak. Okay, so now the Gemara continues. Um, okay. Now, Let's say the creditors came and they exercised their liens, um, and they exercised, you know, their lien, you know, they went and they collected their 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 debt here. So when, where, whether the whether they had you owed the, the mazik owed money before the damage or after the damage, if they go ahead and they exercise their liens, um, these balichovos, it's too bad. Because you only because you can only get you the the nizak can only get paid up from the body of the animal itself. So what does this mean? Um, so the Gemara says like this. Um, hold on, I just want to see one thing. Okay. So this is after Hamad Abedin. After Hamad Abedin, their collection is no good. So the Gemara says like this. I understand that if, that if the damage occurred before the Mazik took out a loan, so that's why the, uh, the people that, you know, the, 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 the Nizak has a prior lien, and that's why he can go ahead and take it away from the creditor, because his lien came sooner. But if it got damaged, <coughs> if the damage occurred, Sorry, if the excuse me one more time, if the loan occurred before the damage, so Bachov called him. So then the money first was owed to the creditor before. To, thank you. Well, I just need to bring stuff. Thank you. Okay, before it was owed to the Nizak. Okay, so if that's true, if first basically I owe money to a creditor, and then my ox goes and gores, and then I owe money to the Nizak, and my creditor comes and he takes my ox. Why should the Nizak have a right to take it away from him? Mm-hmm. Okay? I mean, the creditor had an earlier lien. And anyway, the Gemara says, even in the case where first it damaged before I borrowed the money. So even in that case, we would say that the... Um, that One minute, hold on. Right. If we would say... So... Ah. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, I'm sorry. I feel he's a guy
Oh, right, all right, all right, okay, right, right, right. So, few he's got to the chav. few he's got to the Even if the damage occurred before the debt, Balchov Kadim, this the Balchov came and actually seized it prior. So maybe he should be entitled to it. Okay, so the one thing like this: if I owed the money to the creditors before the the, the Breita again teaches that the creditors took the cow. Okay, it doesn't matter whether I owed them money first or I owed the Nizak first. It doesn't matter. The Nizak can take the cow away from them. That's what the Breita teaches. Okay, even after the creditors took it, the Nizak can take the cow away from them. So the Gemara says, I don't understand. Okay, if the if I first owed money to the Nizak, then I'm sorry. If I first owed money to the creditors, then why should the Nizak be able to take it away from them? The creditors had an earlier lien. Even if I first owed money to the Nizak, the creditors still were for the first one to seize the property. And here's an interesting question. If I owe different people money, and one and somebody who I owed money later to took the money, was the first to seize the property, is it clear that the person I owed money earlier to can take it away from him or not? That's not so clear. So Gemara is saying, this doesn't make any sense. If I owe the creditors money first, they certainly should be able to get the property away from the um, away from the uh, they certainly should be able to keep the property if they took it, if I owed the creditors first. But even if I owed the creditors last, it's possible that they should be able to keep the property. Even if I owed the creditors last, since the creditors took the property first, maybe they should be able to keep it. Should I learn from this? that if a later creditor took the property he's not able to keep it an earlier creditor could take it away from him okay so so if I owe the creditors the money first they certainly should be allowed to keep it even if I owe them the money last it's possible they should be allowed to keep it because we have a debate if a later creditor takes property if he's allowed to keep it or not okay so so how does this make it all any sense so the Lord says no I could tell you normally if a later creditor takes it he's allowed to keep it and if this was a normal halacha the creditors would certainly be allowed to keep it if they were an ur- if they had if they if, if I owed them money first of course they'd be allowed to keep what they took they were the first creditors and if I owed them money last maybe they'd be allowed to keep it if they were the first ones to seize it so if that's true why is it that the Nizak can retrieve the property from them here the Shani Hasam the Amarle here's why the Nizak can take it away from the creditors if the creditors took the cow because they can say to the creditors let's say you had that cow originally the ox let's say I didn't have the, so 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 uh, Hillel goes ahead and he sees this ox that I because I owed Hillel a hundred dollars so I'm sorry, I said Hillel I meant yeah there is Hillel thank you okay so I owe Hillel I owe Hillel a hundred dollars he went ahead and he took the ox in payment of what I owe him Charlie goes here and he says it's too bad you know Dove's ox damaged mine I'm taking it away from you Hillel why are you entitled to do that if normally you can't take it away from a creditor who sees the property because you can say to Hillel let's say you had that ox all along 
I would still have a right to collect from it. It bored my ox. So I'm going to go ahead and collect it right now. Look, even if that ox had always been by you, wouldn't I have had a right to collect it? It gored my ox. The high tower, the ox can mean any stoma. I'm going to go ahead and, because, because the ox that damaged me, that's the ox I'm going to collect from. Now that makes no sense. Because if the ox was by Hillel, then the only reason Charlie would have a right to collect from it is if Hillel was negligent in watching it. But he wasn't the one who was negligent in watching it. I was the one negligent in watching it. So I was negligent in watching. I owe Charlie money. Hillel goes ahead and takes my ox in payment. What allows Charlie to take the ox away from Hillel? Hillel might have been an earlier creditor. Or even if he was a later creditor, he was the first one to seize it. So Tosa says this is really just a fancy way of saying, and if you really want, it's really the line in the bright itself. The last line in the bright is, we see Shaimu Shalim Gufo. What it really is just a fancy way of saying is, yes, of course Charlie can take away the ox, because Charlie's lien is focused on the ox itself. Hillel can collect from any of my property. So the reason Charlie is able to take it away from Hillel is not because he had an earlier lien. He might have even had a later lien, but he had a focused lien on the ox. And therefore, he has a greater right to that ox than to any of the other of my property. And that entitles him to take the ox away from Hillel, and Hillel can come and collect from the from other property that I have. Yes? This is, uh, is this a general um, distinction between uh, regular means from loans and damages? And the way that you collect? No, the Gemara actually is treating just like a regular lien. That's what I'm thinking. It's, it's just saying that it's different here because you only have specifically on the ox you have a very focused lien, what the Gemara called before an apotiki, mm-hmm. and that gives you special rights. Okay, let's get to the, let's get to the, let's keep on going. Tana Rabbanan. Okay. An ox is 200, damage another ox is 200, and it is 50 worth of damage. And now, the original ox that was... I was a little drawing. I think I was losing people a little bit there before. Okay. Here's Ruvain's ox. <laughs> we'll call it Ruvain's. And here's Shimon's ox, okay? And they're each worth 200. And he damaged him and did $50 worth of damage. Okay. But then, the problem, yeah. then, all of a sudden, the market went up, or the ox got stronger, whatever it is, and now it's worth 400. Okay? It improved in value. But had it not had suffered any damage, it now would be worth 800. So, no sink your shot, How much do I pay? I pay the original 50. There was original 50 of damage. I'm going to pay 25. Okay? You don't say I'm going to have to pay. Oh, look, I can tell you, you made, it's now worth, it would have been worth 800 had you not damaged me. So you caused me 400 worth of damage. You have to pay me. No, no, no. That's just indirect. The amount of damage is assessed by the moment of the damage. At the moment of the damage, it was 50. So you're going to pay 25. You're not going to look at the fact of like, you, if you called it, cause it eventually to be worth 400 less than it would have been. Okay? Now let's say, however, that before we got to court, it went down from 50, 150, and that was worth 100, 100. Okay? This was 
Okay, I guess we have to do a timeline here. Okay, so this is this is this is this is this is Monday, and this is Tuesday. Okay, so let's say it went down in value. Now it's worth a hundred, and this is when we have the court case. We have the court case on Tuesday. So in this case, how much am I going to pay? So in this case, I'm going to pay. I'm going to pay fifty. Okay, or actually, I'm going to pay twenty-five. Okay because the damage is 50 and we don't say the damage based on how much it's the higher value we say the damage based on this value in this case we're going to say no actually in this case it actually caused $100 worth of damage and therefore I'm going to pay 50 okay so it's, it, it's not parallel okay this is considered to be an indirect cause of loss that it didn't go up as much and this one it actually gets worth less okay goes down in value as opposed to not going up as much in value it goes down in value we're going to say that's all a result of the original damage. So I damaged it. It went from being worth 200 Eventually, it went down to being worth 100 So I caused $100 worth of damage. So even though this was a loss, this wasn't a depreciation of value. It wasn't worth less than the original amount. It was just a... It did not become worth as much as it would have been worth. Didn't the 200 also go down? I mean, how much it was worth before it got Well... The Gemara is going to say the reason it went down is not that the market went down. The reason it went down is because it kept on depreciating because of the original injury. Right. If it was just that the market went down, then that would be very inconsistent. Okay. But this is actually going to seem as a depreciation that resulted from the original injury. And even though this also was a loss, this was a loss of profit. I don't pay you for loss of profit. But this was a continued injury that got worse and worse, so that I do pay you for. Okay. Um, okay. Shavach Mazi, Shavach Mazi, Nosing Lokishas and Nezek. Pichay, Tishasamarabidin. Now, let's say, actually, the. Um, one minute. Hold on, let me just make sure I got this right. Um, <coughs> now let's say I the Mazik go ahead and um, make this animal one minute hold on hold on let me see just one second Right, 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 right. Um, right, right. So let's say instead of this animal, the the the, the cow, Shimon's cow, changing value. Let's say this cow changed value. Okay. So let's say here. Okay. After the original amount, the cow went up to be worth four hundred. Okay. So why don't you can can Shimon now say, look. You owed me $25. Okay, wait, how much did it say? Okay, you owed me, um, you owed me, um, you owed me $25. I had a portion of this. I had whatever, what would 25 be of 200? Whatever, 12%. Anyway, whatever it would be, I had a certain percent of this animal, okay, because of the, because of the uh, $25 worth of, uh, worth of payment that you owed me. Now it went up, I'm going to get a continued 12% of this animal, okay? 
right? Which makes sense according to Rabbi Akiva. According to Rabbi Akiva, that would make sense. Okay, you imp- you get the increased with it, but it says that's not true. No sin lokeshaf hanezek. You don't. You still if if here you had twenty five dollars worth of this animal, you still have only $25 worth of that animal. That sounds like we're dealing with a Rebbe Yishmael. Otherwise, you should, your, your value should increase. Okay? But let's say it went down to 100 Then in that case, you're only going to get $12.50. You actually do lose out. So that's very inconsistent. Right? If you have a portion of the animal, you should get its increased value. If you, if you don't have a portion of the animal, you're just owed a straight $25, then you should still be owed a $25 even if the animal goes down. Okay? So this does, we have to explain both of these imbalances. Alright? Let's take a look. So the Gemara says like this. Um, I'm a let's, unpa- let's, let's unpack this. So, the Gemara does not feel it needs to under- unpack this. This makes sense. Oh, well, I mean, we're going to have to understand this. This is going to be because it's considered the injury continued as a result of the original one. Okay, but this in general, we understand that you don't pay for an indirect loss of profit. That's this. You don't pay for an indirect loss of profit. This is seen as, though, a result of the original injury, a continued depreciation based on the original injury. We're going to look at this, though. This really doesn't make sense. Okay? So it says like this. Shalach mazik no sin kishas hanezek. Mani rebi shmuel. The fact that here, even when it goes up, you're still only paying $25, means you don't have a portion of the animal. That works like rebi shmuel, that it's not a portion, it's just a debt. He da amar balchovu, v'zuvehu damasik lei. It's only a debt. Okay? Ema seva, look at the end. Kichesh kishas hamar abedin. Asun rebi akiva, damar shutfininu. But here, if it goes down, you get you get based on the current value you get you know so now you only get twelve dollars and fifty cents that's a Rebbe Akiva that's a percentage of the animal so this doesn't make any sense so the Gemara says Reish Rebbe Shmuel the Sefer Rebbe Akiva because the Reish of the Rebbe Shmuel the Sefer Rebbe Akiva lo kul Rebbe Akiva he it's all Rebbe Akiva here's the point is like this it's all Rebbe Akiva so when it goes down you understand why now you get less okay because you had a percentage of it why when it goes up don't you equal get more so it says because when it went up it didn't just go get up by went up by itself the original owner actually fattened the animal the increase in value is based on the effort and the contribution and the investment of the original owner and therefore you're not going to get reap those benefits now Tosa says that's actually not so clear let's say we are partners in a field Charlie and I are partners in a field and me without telling Charlie I go and I plow it and I put in the fertilizer and I do all these things to make it worth more. Now, Charlie might have to pay me for my effort, for my investment, you know, for all those things, but it's still his field. He still reached some of the, bed, you know, the increased value. I don't keep all of the increased value. I did it on his field, right? So even if he has to, like, reimburse me and pay me and all those things, he still benefits. So Tosus is bothered with that and Tosus has whatever answer Tosus has, but the basic point of the Gemara is you don't get all of the benefit in this case because a lot of that was done because of the investment of the mazik. So maybe you reap some of the benefit because you're a part owner according to Rabbi Akiva, but you don't reap all of the benefit because it was done by the contributions of the mazik. Okay? So that's Kishapitmo. So the Gemara says, Ema Reisha. Let's look at the beginning. Shavach ve'amad al-arba me'odzuz nosin lokeshas hanezek. Here it says when it got worth more, you pay like the original amount. Right? That's this case. 
So if you're talking about here that the owner of this one is the one that fattened it, it made it worth more, of course he can't go ahead and, you know, ask for, um, uh, uh, well, then it's obvious. Which way is it obvious? It's obvious that, um, well, it's, um, oh no, because Rashi says there's two chidushim here about the idea of when it went up value. One chidush is that the mazik doesn't pay him for the, for the loss from 800. But the other chidush is that the mazik pays him at all. Maybe the mazik could say, hey buddy, you know, your cow's worth 400, more than it was originally worth. I don't owe you anything. Okay, that would be a counter, another argument. I shouldn't have to pay you at all. It's not worth less than it was originally worth. And the answer is, no, 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 it still is worth less. It's, it's, it, you do have to pay me, because it wasn't, if it weren't for damage it would be worth even more it would be worth 800 okay so the Gemara is saying that that idea the Havamina that I could claim I don't have to pay you because it's worth more that would be a crazy Havamina if the only reason it's worth more is because this guy actually fattened it and made it worth more so of course in that case you can't say oh I shouldn't pay you it's worth more it's only worth more because I invested in it okay so 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 Okay, in the first case, when it went up to 400 and it could have gone up to 800, that's however it went up to 400. Whether it was fattened or whether it just naturally got worse more. So even if it naturally went up to 400, I, I don't have the right to say, hey buddy, why should I pay you anything It's worth more than it originally was? No, you still have to pay me because if it weren't for you, it would be worth 800 and not 400. So in the first case, it got better whether it was fattened or whether it got better by itself. In this case, though, the reason only so when 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 it went up, the only reason you don't gain in the increased value was because it was fattened by the original owner, and in that case, the original owner reaps most of the increased value, not you. All right, that was a, a little bit confusing, but the basic point is that it's according to Rabbi Akiva. So now the Gemara says, Now back to this idea: when it goes down, you have to pay you pay based on this amount and not based on this amount so the Gemara says why did it go down um, because I had been here Shimon had been working it and that's why it went down he had been like you know he had been mistreating it or whatever you know it was due to Shimon's actions so in that case so of course why should I pay for now that it's worth a hundred the reason it's worth a hundred now is because you were working it and you got it to be and you made it go down in value so the Gemara says no 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 in this case where you pay based on a hundred it's not that it's just the market change and it's not that it was being worked by the original owner it went down to a hundred because of the original injury and in that case I Shimon says to Ruvain, the reason it's worth a hundred, even though that was a few days later, is because it's as if the horn of your ox is still in my ox's body. Meaning that depreciation is ultimately based on the original injury. So that's not seen as grandma. That's seen as how do you assess the original injury. You don't think the original injury was 50 and everything happened afterwards was grandma. Everything that happened afterwards was part of the original, was resulting from the original injury and that's how you assess
that's the original injury. Okay, so this was, again, we've had a couple of commercials which have been a little complicated, but the basic point here is, is that if this goes up in value, I don't pay for the loss of increase. I only pay for the value. If it goes down, though, because that's just loss of profit, if it goes down as a result of the original injury, then that's how you assess the actual cost of the original injury. In this case, when it changes, according to Rabbi Akiva, you really should lose if it gets worth less and gain if it gets worth more. But if the original owner was the one who fattened it, and it was all due to the efforts of the original owner, then the original owner is the one who reaps most of the increase. All right, so that was some nafkaminas of Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael about being a part owner or having a lien on it, where, again, the Gemara said, according to Rabbi Ishmael, according to the Breita, it sounds like, according to Rabbi Ishmael, the lien is not so strong, but what the Gemara did is it made the lien pretty strong, according to Rabbi Ishmael, so even if the original owner sold it, the Niza can go and retrieve it, etc. Um, but uh, nevertheless, there are the nafkaminas that we mentioned. Okay, now we get to um, the actual parsing of the case in the Torah. Let's take a look. So you have an ox worth 200, that Gordon ox worth 200, and the Nevela is worth nothing. Okay? I'm a Rebbe Meir, this is the case in the Torah. You split the live, live cow, okay? So it's a simple case of... 200 and 200 goes down to zero. So the debt is 100. So since the debt is 100, that's the case of Okay, that's the case in the Torah. They now become part owners in that cab. Okay, that's what Rabbi Meir says. I'm going to Rabbi Yehuda, Halacha. You know what? You're right. That is the halacha. But that doesn't, that's not what the Torah is talking about. But if it's worth zero, why is the Torah telling you split the dead body? Why do you have to... Here's the dead cow. Okay, it looks like a person. I don't care. Anyway, okay, why do you have to split... I don't know. Anyway, why do you have to split the cow? The, no, cow, is, the cow is worth zero. Okay? So... The Aza, so what is the case in the Torah? No, 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 no. It's worth 50. Okay? And in that case, in that case, so they split it, so it's 100 and 100. And here they split that, and that they split the dead one, and that's 25 and 25. So each one walks away with 125. Okay? So that's the high. This is the high, and that's the mate. Each one gets 125. Now, if each one gets 125, how much did each person lose? Because each person started with a $200 cow. So how much did each person lose? 75. How much was the damage? 150. Right? 150 was the damage. So half damages. Everybody lost 75. Okay? So now, presumably, nobody disagrees with that. Right? Everybody agrees that it's half damages. So why does, what's the debate of Rebbe Kiev and Rebbe, and Rebbe, Rebbe Mayer and Rebbe Yehuda, whether the Torah is talking about is that it's worth zero or the Torah is talking about that it's worth 50? Let's take a look. Tana Rabbanan. 
Okay, so Abiyuda says that's the case, that actually the Nevele is worth something, and it still works out to half damages. Okay. Rabbi Meir Omer, ain't the Shur Hamer Batara. That's not the case in Torah. When the carcass is worth nothing, so according to him if the nevela is zero what does it mean split the nevela so it says it doesn't mean split the nevela what it means is that's telling you the principle does not mean split the carcass it means the amount that it depreciated because it is dead you split the loss means split the loss split the amount that it's appreciated due to the death. But it does not mean split the carcass. Now, what are you really debating? Because everybody would agree in this case you pay 75. So what is Rebbe Yehuda telling you by emphasizing split the carcass and what is Rebbe Meir resisting? So the Gemara says like this. Okay, so, Michti, um, let's take a look, says the Gemara. Bein Rebbe Meir, Bein Rebbe Yehuda, Haim Meir v'esim v'chamisha shakil, Haim Meir v'esim v'chamisha shakil. In the case of going down, of of, of the carcass being worth 50, everyone walks away with 125. You pay a 75. My Benayu, what are they really debating? So, Amar Rava, Pachas Nevela, Yika Benayu. Ah, you remember the Pachas Nevela? Who has to deal with the carcass and who suffers the depreciation of the carcass? Rabbi Meir says, Pachas Nevela, Denise. Rabbi Meir says, I do not want to say split the carcass. Like, you got to admit that Rabbi Meir is less Pachat of the Torah. Gamera Medechatsun sounds like you're saying split the carcass. So why is Rabbi Meir resisting it? Because Rabbi Meir is saying the carcass, that's all the original owners. That's all the Nizaks. I pay for the depreciation when it died. But you, the original owner of the dead cow, you have to take the carcass away. That's not my responsibility at this point. Okay? I just pay for the difference between for being alive and being dead. Rabbi Yehuda has split the carcass, makes me a part owner in your carcass, and means that if it continues to depreciate, I will, con- I will suffer that loss. Okay? So, Rabbi Meir the Nizak deals with the carcass. We do not split the carcass. It's all the Nizaks. Rabbi Yehuda Palga, that the Mazik splits half of the depreciation of the carcass. Yes, you have to split the carcass as well, and if it depreciates, the Mazik will take some of that loss. Okay, Amalia Baye. In Cain, if that's true, Matsinu Reb Yehuda, so Reb Yehuda says that the Mazik suffers the depreciation of the carcass, Matsinu Reb Yehuda, Tam Chamer Mimuad. Then the Tam is more strict than the Muad, because you remember, everybody had said that the normal rule is, by the boar, by a Muad, by every other animal, by every other case, the Niza gets the carcass, and I just pay for the loss. So here, all of a sudden, Tom, which is the, mo- the, 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 the most lenient of payments in the Torah, right? I now have to be a part owner of that dead carcass and suffer the loss? So, yeah, maybe, maybe that's just arbitrary, an arbitrary point that you pay more in the case of a Tom. Maybe we got you off so easy in general, maybe you'll have to deal with the carcass. No, could it none? Because actually... Next or no. Actually, we see that there are ways in which Rabbi Yehuda says we're going to be more strict by a tam. We taught in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yehuda Omer, tam chayv u'muad pater. 
that actually if you do a minimum amount of shmira, you're chayiv in the case of Tom and you're putter in the case of Mu. This is quite ironic. We're going to see it later. But he actually says you need to do less shmira to be exempt for Mu'a than to be exempt for Tom. Okay, so maybe Rabbi Yudha says, yes, maybe we are stricter by a Tom and maybe you do have to suffer the loss of the carcass. Mu says, no. Aim the Shamas the Rabbi Yehuda. When does Rabbi Yudha say we're stricter by a case of a Tom? Meaning shmira, to see they cry. When it comes to guarding the animal, because there, there are psukim it's based on. When did you ever hear that Rabbi Yehuda said that when it comes to paying, we're going to be more strict by a tom? Paying a tom is always more lenient. Okay, the hot tanya, and I'll show you that. We turn to Brisa. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, now a fella is worth four zuz. Okay, so you have a hundred a hundred animal goring something worth twenty. I'm going to just convert it all to zuz. Okay, a hundred goring twenty. Okay, so the hanavela yofesela, and then now this is worth four. Okay, Sarah. Now, what would happen if you would follow the Pshat of the Torah? Okay, what would happen if you Pshat of the Pshat of the Torah? You split this 50 50. Okay, you split this, okay, two and two. Okay, each one walks away with 52, right? Okay, so now you, how much did you, the Nizak, lose out? 18. How much do you walk away with? 52. Pretty good deal for you, the Nizak, right? <laughs> if you always split the Mazik, rather than looking at the actual loss, right, then if the Mazik is worth a lot more than the Nizak, you come away with a lot of money. Okay? So, Why was the Mu'ad made different than the Tam? To be stricter by the Mu'ad or to be more lenient? Obviously, the Mu'ad pays more. A Mu'ad's only going to pay the, uh, the, the amount of the damage. Assuming the Tam won't pay. So anyway, that's what Rabbi Yehuda is saying. You can't read the Psukim always apply it. You can apply it if the animals are worth the same. You can't apply it if the animals are worth different amounts. But what our purpose of it is saying is, you see that Rebbe Huda rejects the possibility that a Tom would ever be more strict than a Muad. So how could Rebbe Huda say that you suffer the Pachas Nevela of, the, of a Tom if by a Muad the Pachas Nevela is always the Nizak's responsibility? So the Gemara says, Ela Amar Rebbe Yochanan, fine. Shvach Nevela Ikebenayu. When the Nevela depreciates, the Nizak suffers it, because that's going to be like a Muad. Okay, if the Nizak suffers it in a Muad, the Nizak is going to suffer it in time. But let's say the Nevela actually increases in value. That's what Rebbe Yehuda is going to say, because it's a Tom, you're a part owner in the Nevela, and you will gain any increase in value of the Nevela in order to make your payment a more lenient. The Marsavar Denizakave, Umarsavar Palga, no, you actually, the Mazik actually gets half of the increase in value. Okay? The Hainu de Kakashule, the Rebbe Yehuda, and that's why Rebbe Yehuda was raising this point. He says, Hasa da Marta, Tachas Rachmani, Luye de Mazik, Tashacha, if the Torah is going lenient on the Mazik in the case of Tom, and is actually saying that in the case of Tom, that you actually can even, you know, your, your, your payment can get ameliorated by the increase 
increase in the value of the carcass, that you actually are part owner in the carcass, not to suffer loss, but to actually, you know, gain from it if it goes up in value. You know what, actually, this is a new case, and it's already 8.30. So we're going to have to end here. Okay, unfortunately. Okay, but the bottom line is, is that, we, is that for Rebbe, this, this question of splitting the carcass, okay, um, Rebbe, Rebbe Mayer resists it, because Rebbe Mayer says what we normally say, the carcass is the Nizak's responsibility, end of the story. Mm-hmm. Rebbe Yehuda wants to read shot of the Psukim, that they do split the carcass, at least when the animals are worth equivalent amounts, they split the carcass. Okay, but the Gemara says, you cannot read that completely like Pshat. Completely like Pshat would mean that the Mazik would suffer in the depreciation of the carcass. That's not true even in the case of Muad. So we're going to say, fine. The Mazik won't suffer in the depreciation of the carcass, but he's a part owner in the carcass so that he will, he will benefit from the increased value of the carcass. Okay? So the basic debate of Rebbe Yehud and Rebbe Meir in the Mishnah, do you split the carcass, is a debate of will the Mazik benefit from the increased value of the carcass? That Rebbe Yehuda will say yes and Rebbe Meir will say no. All right, we'll continue.